0: I'm Benny Ramatka with Ramatka Ranch in Hamilton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today,
0: Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you've taken time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a new legislative session kicks off next month here in Texas and reducing property taxes will be a top priority in this session. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: It's that time of the year when farmers attend producer education meetings all across the state. Coming up on December 20th, Texas A&M AgriLife has a special event that will be available and within driving distance for everyone in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: The impact on agriculture in the Texas Panhandle from a recent threatened and endangered species listing. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: The U.S. diesel market is likely to remain tight through the end of the year, and prices will reflect the situation. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today.
0: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas is known for relatively high property taxes, but that burden may be eased somewhat in the next legislative session. That was the message from political consultant Brian Epstein at the recent Texas Farm Bureau convention in Waco. Epstein told Texas farmers and ranchers that reducing property taxes will be one of the top priorities when the legislature convenes on January 10th. And the reason for that is the state currently has a lot of revenue coming in
5: state sales tax revenues are up severance tax revenues are up all kinds
6: of retail like auto sales is up so we're looking at may i don't know 14 15 billion dollars of surplus that they're going to have to spend and so what are they going to spend it on well property tax reduction is the is the one topic that's most talked about.
0: Epstein says there are three ways the legislature can reduce property taxes. Increasing state funding to local school districts, mandating that local districts reduce taxes by the amount the state kicks in, and capping appraisal increases at 5% per year.
6: I think there's several things the legislature may kick around to do. But I think at the end of the session, what were we likely going to have as homeowners? We're likely going to have, I don't know, five, $600 less of school property taxes that we'll pay in future years.
0: Epstein says another priority for the legislature will be improving infrastructure like roads and bridges and increasing border security. Bovine respiratory disease, or BRD, is an ongoing problem that costs the cattle industry billions of dollars each year. Dr. John Robinson is with Beringer Ingelheim. He's based in Shiner, Texas, and says the earlier you vaccinate calves, the better.
4: You hit the nail on the head, Carrie. BRD, bovine respiratory disease complex, continues to be the costliest disease syndrome in the U.S. today for our cattle industry. And the opportunity to address that really starts at the cow-calf level and that is preventing respiratory disease starts with vaccinating cattle that we know are going to ultimately be challenged and exposed. The opportunity for the cow-calf producer has never been better because we have excellent products out there that have the science and data that says that you can actually at that first branding, marking branding opportunity, that young calf, that is the opportunity to go in and vaccinate with the vaccine that's gonna effectively prevent bovine respiratory disease.
0: Davidson says if you vaccinate calves or BRD at branding, you can eliminate the pre-weaning treatment and just booster the calves at weaning. There are lots of producer education meetings held at this time of year all over the state. James Hunt tells us there's a unique meeting coming up that will cover the entire Texas High Plains.
2: We're into that special time on the calendar when a lot of producer education meetings are being held all across the Texas High Plains. But coming up on December 20th, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension is offering a special event that will literally bring the whole region together. Danny Nusser is Regional Program Leader for AgriLife.
7: What we're going to do is we're going to have this program at the same time in all 42 counties in the region. So each agent will host their own meeting, and then our presenters will do it virtually. So we'll simulcast those presenters into that meeting, but the producers or whoever wants to come will be there in person. And so it's going to be an interesting take where we can cover the whole region with some key topics, get some guys some CUs if they need them before the end of the year.
2: In fact, Nusser says five CEUs will be available to those who participate. The event is being called a Crop Production and Protection Seminar.
7: Some of the topics will seem really familiar, but what I'm really concerned with this year is really risk management. And being able to look at varieties and weed control and all the inputs that are so high right now for guys, what they're really thinking about is how can I cut back my inputs and still maintain my return and so when we talk about varieties i've really encouraged specialists to get into what does this variety give me for protection what is the value of this variety you know we've got such good genetics in a lot of these crops but they're costly and so a lot of guys are looking at cutting back planting rates looking at different row spacings we're going to get into that discussion and see if we can capture that risk management side of things
2: For more information about the event on December 20th, contact your local Extension office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: The Lesser Prairie Chicken could soon cause more headaches for Texas panhandle cattle producers. Tom Nicoletti has the story.
3: The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service recently listed the Lesser Prairie Chicken across parts of five states In the southern population area for the bird, uh, that includes New Mexico and the southwestern portion of the Texas Panhandle that is being called the Endangered Zone. While Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, and the northeastern part of the Texas Panhandle is being called threatened under the Endangered Species Act. Jay Bragg is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Commodity and Regulatory Activities and Jay When will the species listing go into effect, and how will it uh, impact agricultural production?
8: Well, the rule takes effect on January 24th, 2023. For existing cropland, there's probably not going to be that much of an impact. It's not really seen as habitat. For grazing, there's going to be some things that landowners will want to do. Overall, grazing is seen as a beneficial activity. Prey chickens, if it's done in the right way. So the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has granted a 4-D rule for grazing, provided that it's done by an approved grazing plan. And that plan would help provide some protections for uh, ranchers for an incidental take of a prairie chicken or, or prairie chicken habitat. That same 4-D rule cannot be applied to the endangered southern population. However, there are options for the southern population and Texas Parks and Wildlife has put together a candidate conservation agreement uh, with landowners to to help provide some of the same protections as long as landowners are signed up before the end of this year, uh, December 31st. They could go through and, and get incidental take coverage for that southern habitat area. That is Texas Farm Bureau's Jay Bragg. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas
3: Farm Bureau Radio Network. Diesel supplies are expected to remain
0: tight heading into 2023. Gary Joyner says prices will reflect that situation.
4: The average U.S. on-highway price of diesel was $5.32 per gallon at the end of October. This is 49 cents per gallon below the June 20 peak, but still $1.59 above the same time last year. Texas farmers and ranchers have definitely noticed. A new market intel report by the American Farm Bureau Federation examined the factors pushing the price of diesel higher. The price of crude oil is the main factor in the price of diesel fuel and gasoline. Fluctuations in the crude oil market greatly influence changes in prices. But supply and demand forces are also at play, according to the report. On the supply side, there's the ban on crude oil and petroleum products from Russia. There's also been a dip in U.S. refining capacity in the last two years. Diesel production has dropped by about 180,000 barrels per day. That's equivalent to about 4% of current diesel production. Stocks of diesel fuel are also down 17% relative to a year ago. Meanwhile, demand for diesel rises in the fall and winter, with increased demand for trucking, farming, and heating. The underlying increase in demand shows no sign of letting up. The report concludes the diesel market is tight and will likely remain so throughout the end of 2022. Not the holiday gift Texas farmers and ranchers were hoping for. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today
9: one of the world's longest-running bird counts will begin in just a few days. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
0: And parasite resistance in cattle is becoming more of a problem. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag
1: Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
0: Parasite resistance in cattle is becoming more of a problem. Dr. Bob Judd says we need a new approach to controlling these parasites.
5: The last new molecule for intestinal parasite control in cattle was introduced 15 years ago. There are four main classes of internal parasites in cattle that reduce performance in the animals and these are protozoa, tapeworms, roundworms, and flukes. The first chemical to control these parasites came on the market 60 years ago, and it plus all subsequent dewormers seem to be effective at controlling parasites for the first 10 years of their introduction, and then resistance starts to develop. Because of this resistance, we can no longer think of only treating these parasites with a chemical, as management of the parasites must be involved. Management includes pasture management, stocking density, seasonal grazing patterns, targeted and timely deworming treatment, and species of the parasites involved. Fecal egg counts are used to determine degree of infection in individual cattle, fecal egg count reduction tests to determine the efficacy of the treatments performed, and PCR tests to detect genes in the parasites that code for resistance. A fecal egg program test is useful test, but its accuracy depends on the time of year it is performed age of the cattle, and species of the parasite. And unfortunately, many of these parasite eggs look identical under a microscope. The future of internal parasite control is using a fecal egg count and identifying the species of the parasite present, determining the potential of the parasite to cause disease, the percent of the animals infected, and the fecal egg count reduction test to determine the efficacy of the deworming medication. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One of the world's longest-running bird
0: counts will begin in just a few days. Jessica Domal explains in today's wildlife report.
9: The longest-running bird census kicks off in just a few days, and if you'd like to participate, you can find a circle near you and volunteer online. The 123rd Annual Audubon Christmas Bird Count runs December 14th through January 5th. The census provides important data for scientists and conservationists worldwide. The data contributed by volunteers contributes to one of only two large existing pools of data that Audubon says informs ornithologists and conservation biologists on what conservation actions may be needed to protect birds and their habitats. Each individual bird count in the census takes place in a 15-mile-wide circle. Within that circle, participants tally all of the birds they see or hear on a particular day. A compiler assigned to that circle submits the observations directly to the Audubon. They're also responsible for organizing the volunteers. The National Audubon Society reports the Bird Count and the Breeding Bird Survey provide a picture of how the continent's bird populations have changed in time and place. The data compiled then helps scientists and conservationists form strategies to protect the birds and their habitats, as well as identify potential environmental issues. Again, the Audubon Christmas Bird Count runs December 14th through January 5th. There are over a dozen observation circles already established in Texas. You can find one near you on christmasbirdcount.org. That is christmasbirdcount.org. On that website, you can also see the results of last year's bird count. The Christmas bird count is open to birders of all skill levels. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another up and down trade in the cattle market, but it looks like we closed out Friday
0: strong with a higher close on both live and feeder cattle. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
9: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
7: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
0: The cattle market traded mixed
1: on Friday. We ended up closing
0: higher, however, on both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle up a $1. dollar twenty-five, one fifty-three sixty-seven. February up $1.62 dollar sixty-two at one fifty-five fifty-five. April up $1. 30, a dollar 35 Feeder cattle finishing slightly higher on Friday. January feeders up forty-five cents, one eighty-three ninety-two. The March up five, one eighty-five ten. April feeder cattle up 25 cents 18860. Cash fed cattle market a bit slow over the past week. Here in Texas we had sales at 153 to 154. That is 1 to 2 dollars lower compared to the previous week. When you look up north, Nebraska had live sales from 156 to 158. Boxed beef higher on Friday choice up 66 cents 24794. Select up seventy one at two twenty one twenty six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens
6: with Larry Marble, Carl Herman, my guest. Carl's from Caldwell Livestock Commission Company. Sales Wednesday. Carl, how was it? You know, we really had a good uh, good sale yesterday. We had uh, a little special uh, 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 yesterday too, and and the cattle were really good, and we had a good crowd, and and uh, they brought a lot of money. Uh, we had. Uh, Uh, Tagged up to 1,200 head yesterday for 150 consigners, 66 buyers on a steady to active uh, calf and cow market. Uh, We had uh, 400 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughter cows 30 to 75, slaughter bulls 61 to 91, stocker cows 8 and a quarter to 2,000, and the pairs 10 and a quarter to 2,200. Uh, on the calf on the, on the steer side two to three weight steers 185 to 232 three to four weights 188 to 227 four to five weight steers brought 176 to 225 five to six weights 160 to 195 six to seven weights 137 to 165 and the seven to eight weight steers 127 to 150. On the uh, uh, heifer side, two to three weight heifers, 174 to 220. Three to four weights, 161 to 222. Four to five weights, 157 to 210. Six to seven weights, 135 to 157. And the seven to eight weight heifers, dollar $1 to $1.35. So overall, we really had a good day and uh, look forward to next week. And that will be the last sale of the year. And then when will we come back with the first sale after the holiday? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, the Wednesday after the first, uh, whenever that is. Okay. So, uh, 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 second, third, or fourth, right in through there. So. All right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Carl. Okay. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Everett, 540 Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today.
0: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. December hogs down 42 cents at 81.57. February hogs down 70, $84 even. Class 3 milk, it was mixed also. December milk up 12 cents, 20.50, 100 weight, while January milk was unchanged at 19.23, 100. USDA released its latest supply and demand report on Friday afternoon. It was a somewhat negative report for the cotton market. However, we did end up closing slightly higher despite the numbers in the report. USDA increased the size of the 2022 crop up to 14.24 million bales. That is up from November's estimate of 14.03 million March cotton finishing 10 points higher, 80.95, May cotton up 25 at 80.90 cents, while new crop December cotton was up 29 points, 78.32 cents. It was the same story in the corn market. USDA supply and demand reports somewhat negative for corn, but it didn't seem to affect the market very much. The nearby December was up two and three quarters, 634 and three quarters. March corn up one and a half at 644 a bushel, while new crop September was down a penny, 605 and three quarters. The weather forecast weighed on the wheat market Friday. The Central and Southern Plains looking at some large amounts of precipitation over the coming week, either in the form of rain or snow, so that could be beneficial for the High Plains wheat crop. March Kansas City wheat down 11 and 3 quarters, 8.33 a bushel. New crop July down 12 and a half at 8.22. March Chicago wheat down 12, 7.34 and a quarter. New crop July down 10 and 3 quarters, 749 and a quarter. In the energy markets on Friday, January natural gas up 36 cents at 632. January West Texas crude up 18 at 71.64 a barrel. The financial markets mixed on Friday afternoon. The Dow down 84 points, 33,696. The NASDAQ was up 4, 11,086 while the S&P was down two points, 3,961. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A,
1: Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.